Hi, I'm ready to reach across the aisle and smack a bitch. It's Condé Nasty. Watch my forthcoming Netflix series combining my two favorite things, wandering around the city complaining about stuff and getting railed by rough trade. Pretend it's a f- It's Ursula the Sea Bitch. And this is Reading Drag Race, the show where we talk about whatever we want, but mostly RuPaul's Drag Race. Hey, Ursula, how you doing? I'm, I'm good. I'm caffeinated. Um, I had stage three of five of minor dental surgery on Friday, and uh, so far, so good. So that, that, that's my week. <laughs> nice. I have to say, I, did, I love your intro. It's very funny. For those of you listening, I, I suggest you go back 30 seconds and just re-listen for a moment. Um, <laughs> I loved the first episode of Pretend It's a City, because as a native Chicagoan, in a city that has been infiltrated by people from Rust Belt cities. Who don't know how to walk. Who literally do not know how to walk in a public space and think all other things about their height are corn stalks that they can walk through. It was so nice. Like, where's the merch? Where's the swag? This is a mantra. This is a lifestyle. Literally Iowans who moved to Chicago, New York, and I by Iowans I mean anybody who didn't grow up in one of the top 20 cities in the country pretend when you are walking in a city that you're walking in a fucking city and pay attention to other pedestrians. Be courteous of the fact that they're another human being with intentionality and you're awkward and polite. Oh, excuse me. Oh, sorry. Is not the same as just conducting yourself with regard preemptively. Oh no, like you you know me. I'm a kind, gentle, lovable soul who would never hurt a fly, but I come perilously close to redlining anytime I'm walking downtown behind four people walking abreast who then get offended when you try to squeeze past them. I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm sorry that, no, just, oh God, I'm getting, yeah. I'm getting angry just talking about it. But My father was a commercial real estate manager, so yeah. I've been in downtown Chicago regularly since birth, and God, I miss the 80s when crime rates were high and people kept to themselves, watched where they were walking, paid attention to their environment, didn't get close to strangers randomly. Ugh, it moved like smooth running traffic. Well, he, he, this is the last thing I'll say about it because we're not, we'll be starting our separate for Tenants of City stand podcast later, but just if you are walking next to someone and someone else is coming towards you, you just like slipstream into single file, pass the person, and then go back to side by side. You don't even really have to stop talking. I don't know why people don't know this. Agree. Uh, <laughs> and with that, again, where's the merch? If it's not out there, I'm going to ma- make some myself. I need t-shirts my, that say my, pretend My best life is going to be turning into an elderly, cantankerous Jewish woman. And it's just... <laughs> I mean, you're just going to fall right into that one. Lean in, honey. Lean oh, I in. love it. I love it. Um, all right. And with that, uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We promise we'll be a lot more upbeat and less critical from here on out. Or, or will we? <laughs> Lies. Um, <laughs> We have a very special return guest, someone who we always get a bump in listenership whenever this person is here, the charmingly oblivious Oblivia. Hello. Welcome. We're so excited to have you. I'm so excited to be back. I miss you so, so much. Quarantine is very hard. And I have to say, like, when we got on this Zoom call this morning, I was like, I didn't, I like, I don't think I realized how much I was missing Oblivia. 
till I had Oblivia back. So it's so great to have you here to talk about this and just to see your face over this Zoom call that none of our listeners can see anyways. But uh, I miss you so much too. We we hang out a lot when we're not in quarantine, but now we're at ten and a half months of quarantine and it sucks. It continues to suck. It doesn't suck any less despite the fact that after ten and a half months we should be some semblance of use to it by now. I'm not. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. Yeah, our, the first podcast we record after we're all vaccinated is going to be the booziest brunch any queer people have ever put together. It's gonna I'm not sure we'll want to post it on the internet, but yes. <laughs> um, this needs to happen, record yeah. it or not. Yes, I agree, I agree. It, it'll probably be recorded. Whether or not we think it's serviceable later is, we'll determine then. Um, so we are here to discuss and recap RuPaul's Drag Race Season 13, Episode 4, the Hallmark Channel episode. But first, Oblivia, I wanted to know, how are you enjoying Season 13? I'm really enjoying it, and I love the fact that we got a few weeks to start to get to know the queens before any of them started being eliminated. I was a little not sure what was going on that first episode with just lip sync after lip sync after lip sync and the whole pork chop lounge thing, but I'm really glad that we got the lip syncs, we got the one episode with the top queens plus Elliot, we got the one episode with the defeated queens minus Elliot, we got to see them do a couple of different things. I think one of my fears with that lip sync episode was that there'd be at least one queen where all we got to see was the entrance into the workroom, the lip sync, and nothing else. So it was nice that we got to see that and then the you know, the, the song and dance number. So we got to see a little more of everybody and that was great. I agree. I agree. Um, I'm not generally here for the tomfoolery of the manufactured drama of vote some girl out. We're not really voting her out. And I, like, the whole time I was, I knew that there was going to be some, like, that Elliot wasn't really gone. I knew the eliminated girls with lip sync were going to be gone. I don't know if I'm here for the tomfoolery, but whatever. Like, I don't mind it either. Um, main point, I also love that we got a chance to see and get to know all the girls better before they sent anybody home. Um, because I feel like it dignifies even the first eliminee when a lot of times, historically, the first eliminee has become like the butt of a joke in the gay community. And I just think that's not fair. Yeah, I, so, I, I like this structure. Like, even if you treat, like, if they made this the standard operating procedure where there was like a three episode prelude before the overture, that would work for me. I, uh, like, I, I love this infinitely more than every other Meet the Queen episode or webcast they have ever done. Um, because every Meet the Queen thing tends to dress them all identically in the same color palette or style. And I'm like, well, what's the point of that? We um, don't get to know their style. At all. They ask them a bunch of trope questions in an armchair. Yeah. It's not as fun. It's not. This was great. Um, I, I wonder if the idea sprung from making it worth it to have all of them quarantined for this. 
That's fair. You yeah. know, don't quarantine them just to send one home after one episode. But whether it came from that or not, this is something I want them to keep so we can start to get to know all the queens before any one of them gets sent home. I had a little bit of a heart attack the first episode because, of course, it was in the middle of all the lip syncs and I still wasn't sure what was going on. Had a little bit of a heart attack given that the two queens who just first off the bat spoke to me the most were pitted against each other that first episode. And I'm like, don't do this to me, Mama Roo, no. But Which two queens were those? Oh, wait, 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 wait. Let me guess. Let me guess. Gottmik and Utica. Ding, 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 ding. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> uh, I, I, I owe myself $5 because I bet myself that those would be your two favorite queens. <laughs> I, I was like, Utica, wait, who did Utica lip sync against again? I, yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely um, Utica But that Gottmik. makes perfect sense. Okay, just to, I just want to, because, okay, you know what, we're on this discussion topic. I agree with you. Um, I don't know if I need three and then we don't send anybody home till four. I think the lip sync thing felt a little, we're in quarantine. The viewers don't know how we're going to do this. It could be totally different. So because of the specific historic circumstances, we're really going to fuck with you. If they did it like season six premiere where it was a split premiere, but nobody goes home either one. And then they don't send anybody home till the third episode. That would drag it out a little less, and I'd still, I think I'd be in the same place that I was here, where it's like, I feel like by the time they're sending somebody home, the end of the the third, it would be the third episode in my proposal here. I'd feel like I got to know that queen. I get that. I, I like seeing everyone lip sync at the top, just to make sure the first time I see some of these, like... On a normal day, in a normal season, you would not see Simone have to lip sync until episode seven, eight, nine easily. I like that I we got to see that up front. That really kind of levels the playing field. You're totally right. You're totally right. We get a good sense of what kind of queen they are. I, I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, you guys have conv- you've convinced me this. I would love to see this format again. Yeah. Um, all right. So the we see the. What is it? The the winners? The, the winner circle and the B team. Just crackerjack names there, people. <laughs> I know. So the winner circle is in the room and they're talking about Elliot kind of feeling excited to get to confront the B squad and hiding. Um, and then there's that whole, there's the key king and then Elliot comes out and Tamisha Amon's like, you're going to go for the pitfall girl? What did you guys, oh, what did you guys think of that whole moment? I thought it was weird that they got them back in drag just for the from last week's episode just to have the b team leave the stage to meet them in the workroom i'm like you got these girls in drag for literally 30 seconds of footage that feels mean um and then the new day in the workroom with elliot it it isn't it isn't those girls know that they get to produce a reality tv real housewives reunion like vibe moment that will be like three minutes of the show but can have some iconic moments like these are drag queens, girl. They're they're fine. They okay. knew it was going to be on television. They they buffed and blended for HD. They're <laughs> fine. Okay. It may be mean, but also it was totally worth it just for both Lala Ree's look and Elliot with two T's look. The the Lala Ree blue thing was working for me. The Elliot with all the folds, kind of like Beethoven, but bitchy. That was working for me. She is always going to look like a mean stepmother in an Olsen's twin movie. (laughs) Always. 
Just always. That's like her vibe. It's her brow line. There were two actresses who got all those bit roles in the 90s that have that, like, I'm feminine and womanly, but I do have a touch of Cro-Magnon brow. Like, it's that that does it for me. Anyways, I digress. Well, with the 90s retro coming back, if, if they're doing any movies to kind of bring back that aesthetic, they know who to cast. I agree. True. Um, I thought Elliot hiding was cute. That was funny. And they, they didn't milk it too long. Like they did, I think with when Vanjie came back, I think that like, it was the appropriate, like, I was curious, like, I think the Queens should have just said, we voted you out because they said, pick someone like they're like, I would have, I think the real answer is this isn't really a value judgment because there was no data on which to make it, but they kind of leaned into all like the little picky complaints. And I'm like, did, did the producers just say say that? Because if it were I think me, they I leaned into we were underwhelmed, we had to pick somebody, and it really wasn't personal. My answer would have been, I liked your entryway look. I just didn't think it was an entryway look, entrance look. Mm-hmm. And there was nothing else that I was going to vote anybody else on. They, there was no good reason. Like, everybody seemed nice and had a good look. Like, I got nothing for you, honey. Like, it really wasn't personal. I don't yeah. know you. I didn't know anyone. Like, and I, I do feel like... The, the producers did what they could with a lot of, um, I just didn't really get your style. Yeah. Whatever. Um, I did want to say, so Tamisha Oman has 60 drag daughters, and the Internet of Things tells us that um, Lala Ri is one of them. So I don't know if this is like a Miss Hannigan situation, that they're not making a big deal out of it, or if producers are not making a big deal of it, but that cut definitely felt like, we're not acknowledging this in the production. Yeah. And I feel like those two would have definitely had at least like a moment that well, we did not see. And I'm going to say this right now. This is the first time we got a drag mother and daughter in that workroom together. Even if it's not that close of a relationship, I don't want you to hide it all together. I think they're saving it. I, I think... I. On the one hand, I know you're not supposed to... I know. To... I think they're choosing to not do it because it's not super close. I think they're like, these aren't like BFF drag mother daughter, so we're not even going to include it in the cut. Mm-hmm. We're going to like direct you to pretend that's not your relationship because it's not like a, a attached to the hip situation. I don't know. I could see them saving it for a later episode and a more sh- when it'll have like more weight and then it's like, oh, they didn't say anything. The the, the whole spy narrative. She's a spy. For who? It's, for who is she it's spying probably, for? It's probably going to pop up the first time that one of them is in the bottom two and about to go lip sync. Or if they have to ever lip sync against each other. Oh, yeah. Um, I see based on this cut, I'm like, oh, we're, they're never going to acknowledge it. I feel like if you're going to do the entry like that, they're never going to acknowledge it. And I'm not, I was not happy about that. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. I like, it's there. It's one of those, like, I was going to say, they would both have to know they were both going to be on the show because I know, like, you know, the world. You're going to outsource. You're going to be like, do you have this kind of dress, whatever. Right. Because, like, the world knows you're going to be on the show when you miss, when you magically go silent on social media. I don't think there's any way a drag mother daughter would not feel both be like, so, hey, you want to get together? Oh, no, I'm going to be busy. Oh, I'm going to be busy, too. Like, like, like it's, it's going to come out. So it wouldn't be like they were shocked to see each other. I, I would, like, if nothing else, it's weird because the producers would have to know we would figure it out. Like, the internet's going to find out. 
Um, so now it's like this weird elephant in the room. So I kind of want them to at least acknowledge it just to acknowledge we all know what we all know. Because now it's weird that one of us is not talking about it. Yeah, no, I agree. Okay, I think we've dissected yeah. so much of this to death. Um, so next we have RuPaul coming into the workroom to announce this week's Maxi Challenge, the RuPaul Mark channel, the movies. Um, so we have, and producers divvy up the teams, we have Misery Loves Company with Denali, Elliot, Kamora, and Olivia Lux, whom I love. I'm, yeah. I'm one of these people who's quietly falling in love with Olivia and is like, I know she's a little too green for this, but I see a star in her. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm an, I love her so much that I'm, I'm more in love with her than I'm annoyed by the ham-fisted attempt to make tiny purses happen. I'm like, I'm still in love with you. St- please oh, stop. Oh, I agree. I'm like, the <laughs> tiny purses I ignore, but I really <laughs> like you. And then we have Flag Day with Simone, Rosé, Utica, and Lalaurie. Can and we that- just can, can we just take a minute to love the fact that the Flag Day one was called God Loves Flags? I <laughs> preach. And I like, I think they put Utica in that after the Seventh-day Adventist thing surfaced. I feel like there was a reorg. Um, <laughs> and then uh, April Fool's Russian with Candy Muse, Tina Werner, <sighs> Joey Gottmik, and Tamisha Iman. And you know, the last three are my favorite and the first two are my least favorite. So I'll just say this right now. I would not want to be in that group. Um <laughs> So, yeah, the girls divvy up. By the way, I love that when they're doing the little, like, we're in our breakout groups moments, Elliot is being rambunctious, and they keep cutting to Kimora, looking at her stoically, like, I wish your voice would stop making noises right now. And they had the the little moment. Trixie Mattel in the pit stop said... Girl, you don't like, you find nasally gay voices annoying? You picked the wrong industry, honey. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, the one thing that I have to say before we move on to more substantive things, just from when they were putting the teams together, you know how sometimes you just see one short little moment and you're like, that's it. That is my one true pairing for this season and nobody will tell me any differently. Yes. Just the way after they put the teams together that... Rosé and Utica hugged. They are my one true pairing. I hope they are I, I hope they are an item and nobody is going to convince me any differently. Like my, my brain has shipped Rosé and Utica. Okay. I wow. Couldn't it cool. If you were if you were like million dollar guests, there's it would be 30 guesses before I get there. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, um, so we have them divvied up. I love the moment where Rue comes over and is asking if Tamisha Oman's a Cher fan. And Tamisha was like, no, I am. I am. I am. And I was like, girl. Girl, just say no and lean into it. It's flatlined. This is flatlined. Like, Like, like. Like I'm a share, I'm a share fan. I can't do a solid impression of share. I know most, I, I know most of her work, but it's like just don't oversell, don't oversell. Rue's um, looking for a super fan encyclopedic knowledge, or don't say you're a fan. Yeah, I, I will say. Speaking of Rue, I want to say this when she walked in. Easily one of my favorite suits. I love that that look was so gay. 
Yeah. It was so opulent and big, the pussy bow. Like, it was like... It was like caricature of gay friend at art gallery in like a late 90s, early aughts film. I loved it. Loved it. The one thing that I loved during the Rue going and visiting the teams that just had me dying was the back and forth between like Utica making the faces, Rue laughing his ass off. Utica making another face. Oh my Rue god. Rue laughing his ass off. I That was perfection. I couldn't breathe. I was laughing so hard. Like sadly, that's the funniest thing she did in the episode. Like like oh, had you brought that to the scene. Um just her word. <laughs> like I'm laughing about it now. It was perfect. This like I don't know what you're talking about. Obviously, I know what you're talking about. Like she she batted that ball back and forth perfectly. It was it, it was really something to watch. I agree. There is something about, like, a wiry, tightly wound, high-strung, but goofy Midwesterner with a thick Midwestern accent gay and gay voice quality that I'm like, remember my youth? Remember my youth? Like, there's something about Utica that is so, like, do you remember being an awkward 23-year-old at a gay bar talking with, like, some friends and some friends of friends and some friends of friends and meeting that, like jester like minnesota jester quality that utica has there's something about there's something about utica that's so compelling but also familiar yeah Anyways. all right uh let's let's dive into the to the scenes okay i love the gag that they were sent they were literally the same script just subbing out the name of the holiday that cracked me up i'm like that shade on hallmark and deserved um I thought actually it was really brilliant because we're able to parallel like how these archetypes are portrayed. Like yeah. they aren't so, so wildly different that we, it was sort of, it was funny for the shade of it. And it was fun because they're playing, they are different scripts, but they're playing similar characters and it kind of makes it feel more of a one-to-one to like even compare them against one another. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it, I thought it was fun and they were different enough to be entertaining. Yeah, totally. And um, it was it was schlock material, but they all had to deal with the same schlock material and make the best of it. As Violet Chachki always says, they give them the shittiest scripts and asks them to make Emmy winning material of it, and often they do. I love Violet, by the way. What a, just say it like it is, honey. All right, so on to the actual scenes. Um, what jumped out at you? Like, I think that's that's the best marker of how good or bad someone is, is what you remember. Uh, so Yeah, so April Fool's rush in. I really liked Tamisha Amon as Altina. I thought it was a fun, um, I thought it was a fun reference. Um, and... Ross was like, go bigger, go bigger. And it was kind of the same joke reiterated multiple times as a portrayal of this, like, automaton, like, fortune teller. But having used one of those automaton fortune teller machines when I went to, oh, where was it? It was in Nashville. And it really did feel like the same thing over and over again. So at least that... Tamisha had gone for the it. Com- the I thought the it. comedy of it was very funny. I yeah. thought it like really fits within that wheelhouse. I think doing that voice, and I do think that she kind of struggled with really. You wanted that over the top, but I'm gonna say it right now. I thought she fucking nailed it. I think it's really hard to deliver the comedy. Ross did a great job 
directing it. Yeah. But I'm not going to lie. I was like, oh, Tamisha's in the top three. Like, I didn't think she was going to win based on that, but I thought she was oh, going to no. be. And I, th- I think she she typifies, like, the, the advice the girls always get is just make it big, make it funny. And even if it's one of those, like, you, you know, Chad Michaels is going to give that a C-plus as a share impression, but that's not really the point, is it? Like It really isn't. <laughs> she did it for what it was, and she did need a lot of direction because it is going so big with it and extending yeah. it so much. But... In the end, the end product, to me, perfection. Yeah, and and as a pageant queen, pageant, pageant queens tend to be the ones who struggle with the go bigger because they're so used to being so polished and self-contained. So I think part of that was she, like, especially like that last one when she like circles the drain inside her little booth with one last, whoa, <laughs> like, okay, girl, you did it. Like you threw yourself into, you visibly chucked yourself into it completely and that comes off. Even if the even if the individual elements aren't like perfect, the finished product was still very entertaining. I I honestly didn't love it. I mean, I get that there may not have been a whole lot that she could do with it, but the script mentioned the share thing, and I really was getting a oh honey, a long wig does not share make. And I think I mean, I may be getting slightly ahead of myself here, but I think what kept her out of the bottom was being in an overall stronger skit than mm. someone else who was put in the bottom. It wasn't a share impersonation. It was Zaltina with a share, a shareism reiterated over and over again as the automatons like to the point of absurdity way of yeah. speaking to the point of absurdity. It she wasn't cast as share or a share like character in a larger skit it's an automaton that does one share thing really big and i for comedy and i thought it it so it's a really weird what is your role it just wasn't landing with me like i didn't okay i I got it 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 may just be me but i didn't find it that funny that girl didn't find it that funny either we we had a discussion about this previously (laughs) all right uh what else uh from fools rush in um I thought that Gottmik's makeup was a little jokery, and at first I thought it was, like, poorly done, and then I thought it was actually really well done. And I'm not sure that uh, that's intentional, but it really actually worked for the character for me. Mm. Um, It felt a little comic book villain overdrawn lipstick, like, uh, in a good way. And I'm not, uh, to be perfectly frank... I mean, at this point with this show, I think a lot of these queens are doing things and making references the judges don't even get. And it also felt perfect for someone. I mean, it was it was so overblown and it felt perfect for someone who was from a family who owned a joke shop and was trying to be a serious business lawyer. Totally, totally. And, you know, I, I will... I, I will say this, I mean, just because the two characters are sort of paired in my head, given where they started, you know, she was the lawyer for Tina Burner's ice cream magnate character. I don't have the same antipathy that y'all clearly have for Tina Burner. Like, I, yeah, she's kind of a bitch, but I like her. I think she's entertaining. Um, I think, yeah, she's kind of the... She's fun for being a bit of a bitch, but oh, she, I wasn't sure how somebody so comedic was going to sell the, you know, humorless ice cream company. Oh my God. I, 
I loved her character in that. I was laughing so hard whenever she was on the screen. She's a great actress. I think the only reason that... I think the only reason she wasn't my favorite character in that was because Candy Muse was so good as that clown, as Whoopi Cushion. Uh, yeah, I think Tina Burner turned in like a, you know, right down the center of Joan Crawford impression, hit, hit the quotes exactly like they were supposed to be. Of the people in the room, she identified the lines that were supposed to be delivered in a certain way to make them referential and did that flawlessly she um, nailed it she just had a small part yeah. she clearly proved to me she's an actress who knows how to act and knows her references like yeah. she did an a plus job with a tiny role yeah um i gotta say i love joey J. terrible totally missable made like no eye contact with the camera like only because other people did so poorly was joey J. safe but yeah. Joey J did not give a safe performance. Joey J gave a oh. bad performance. I oh, thought. Joey J. Joey J gave a bad performance in that. I think what saved. I, I think there were two things that saved Joey J. One, being in overall the strongest skit, and two, as we'll get to later, I'm sure, having having the best runway. Her runway blew me out of the freaking water. We'll talk about that later. Okay, we'll talk about that later. All right. Well, we're going to save that for later. Um, yeah. Okay, interesting. All right, moving on to the next movie. So next we have God Loves Flags. What did you think, Olivia? It was... It was fine. I mean, I didn't like it as much as the April Fool's one. It wasn't as much of an irredeemable train wreck as the one we'll get to next. Um, Lala, I I wasn't digging her acting. It didn't seem like she cared much about the impending foreclosure of the flag factory. The Um, the flag factory. Flag factory. (laughs) And then, no. I wish I wish Utica had had a little bit more of a role because I, I guess I guess you can kind of tell it's no secret I freaking love Utica and I thought for what she had in there she was funny trying you know she was very much uptight Midwestern person trying to do the '60s hipster or not '60s hipster aged Six- out hippie from the '60s hippie was the word I was looking for <laughs> it. it it suited, like, I liked it. I think it suited her. And talking about the, the flag that was well hung with a nice pole. <laughs> I honestly felt like Utica, this is so in her wheelhouse with her kind of weird floaty physicality. that. But I think she was nervous and didn't yeah. really know. Like, I feel like one video clip of, like, uh a hippie kind of waving their shoulders and being like, feel the vibe, man, would have like gotten her to where she needed to be. I feel like this is something Utica could have nailed and didn't. Yeah. Like that we all know she could have nailed and didn't. Yeah. Um, Also, the girls who had to do old makeup this episode are girls who do not know how to do old makeup. And whoever was on their team who could really could have helped them out because this is some of the worst aging makeup we've seen. Between Utica and um, Olivia Lux, I was like... I get it with your dewy 25-year-old complexions, but figure it out. <laughs> All right, so, so the standouts, uh, 
I think Simone and Rosé turned in best performances of the... Simone was a star. She absolutely, she delivered everything with a POV, with confidence, with an idea of screen presence. Simone is a star. Simone should have an agent. Just like, I hope that talent management companies based in Los Angeles are calling Simone right now, no matter what happens this season, based on episode four. Simone is a star. What I loved about Simone's performance was it's a great lesson in you have to make it funny more than anything else. Like, like the way she pronounces flag victory. Okay. It's, it's, it's not Dixie Carter. It's not Joan Crawford. It's none of the listed references. I think it's like Olivia Coleman is the queen in the crown, but who fucking cares? It was hilarious. Like the fact that the reference might not be moored to any of the stuff in the script means literally zero because every time, like it's, it's now a meme. It's going to, I love saying it. I'm just like sticking my teeth all the way out of my mouth and saying it. And I'm going to say it over and over again when I'm not recording. And it's perfect. It's just, she, she squeezed every ounce of funny out of this performance. And it was, and it was great. And I know we've talked about Rosé being a little dead behind the eyes. I think she, she did really nail that gnome, like her comedic. She knows how to act. I think she went to musical theater school. She really knows how to act. She also has a face like a hobbit. The only person I would have been more pleased to see cast would be Elliot because Elliot has a face that as a boy looks very much like a gnome, like a cartoon gnome. Yeah. Um, But she has a theater, she has a background and she has the face for it. She really did come to life doing it. And you could tell she was like, this is such a small and stiff and stilted character. So I have to go big with yeah. my face, face with it. Yeah. And it really, I mean, she knew what she was doing. And I, yeah, she knew what I like Rosé. Yeah. yeah, she did. I like Rosé. She is a little dead behind the eyes sometimes. I want to like Rosé even more. Yeah, I'm not, yeah. I want to be clear that I don't dislike Rosé. Um, I, I felt like Lala Ree really feels underbaked for this season. I like her. I like all the girls this season except for Tina Burner, to be honest. Um, I feel like Lala Ree feels like too green and not ready to be here. And that outfit was riding up on her in a way that's like, that was to me, it's very nice that one of your drag sisters gave this to you before you got here. It makes sense for this skit. It doesn't fit you. Wear a short skirt with it. Even if it's just a black skirt, like your panties are visible in a way that is like not obviously purpose, not yeah. intentional. Yeah. Um, and literally a black mini skirt under it, it still would have worked as a look and like sold Flag Day. It might even look more like executive at the Flag Factory. Yeah. Um, I like her. She clearly doesn't know what she's doing. <laughs> like she's out of her depth here, and I want I I. She's a queen where I see her and I'm like, I, I like you a lot and I'm glad you're here on some level, but I also wish you were here three years from now. Yeah. When you might be more ready. All right. I, I don't know. The more I think back on Denali's performance, I don't think it was bad. It certainly wasn't good. It wasn't funny. It was flat, but it wasn't atrocious. And I think the way they talked about it was like, it was atrocious. And I don't think it was. Here is my feeling. You have Olivia Lux, who is a working musical theater grad from, I forget which, Occidental? I forget. Olivia Lux went to one of the, like, top 30 musical theater schools for, like, a four-year degree and is a working actor and drag performer. If Olivia Lux is in your team and you have one big role with tons of lines, that's who gets it. 
I'm sorry. Like, give yourself the second biggest role. Like, what are you doing? Don't take the lead role and then have the next thing out of your mouth be... I didn't know there'd be so many lines. Come on, Denali. Like, there's... I feel like there's a difference between trying to take yourself out of your comfort zone and biting off more than you can chew and, like, setting yourself up to not... Setting yourself up to put yourself in the worst light and Denali... She absolutely (laughs) bit off more than she can chew when she had somebody right next to her who could have fucking killed it, nailed it with their eyes closed, which is why I was like, what are you doing? Yeah, an enduring lesson of these challenges is the main character is like the worst role because it's thankless. If you do well, um, you had to do well. And if you do poorly, you end up in the bottom because you were on screen doing poorly for so long. And they tend to fall out over the bit player. I think Simone, Simone is the exception that proves the rule. Simone was praised. You have to give that level level, of performance for it to go for you. Well, and you heard me monologue about how talent agents should be calling Simone. Now. I don't care what else happens this season. Right. She should have a rep already. Yeah. Like Olivia was the highlight of that, of that Valentine skit by being Okay. Like, and capable. Her makeup yeah. was bad and she knew how to deliver it, but it was an underwhelming part. Like, But Elliot, you know, Elliot was kind of dear in the headlights, but I guess it worked for that character. Denali was wooden and over her head and sort of the, the rudderless lead in a train wreck of a skit. And Kimura was terrible. <laughs> Come through, Oblivia, with your gentle opinions and your 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 wishy-washy takes. I appreciate your candor. (laughs) I appreciate your candor. And honestly, I think that Denali has big eyes that she could have sold the comedy of the kind of occasionally at times could be judgmental, depending on how you deliver it, grandma character. Like, I think Denali would have done well as the grandmother. She at least wouldn't have been, she would not have ended up in the bottom. She wouldn't have ended up forgettably safe. I agree. Yeah. And I bet Oblivia would have given Simone a run for her money in a way that would have made... Or I'm sorry. I bet Olivia Lux <laughs> would have given Simone a run for her money. Like, ooh, yeah. you're giving me so much credit for my non-existing acting skills. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh, uh, and then speaking of non-existent acting skills, poor Kimora. <laughs> oh, poor sweet Kimora. Just... Don't get me wrong. That part... Like... <laughs> I don't know how, like, the funniest part of her performance was her coming out fully padded in her green screen suit. Which, I don't know how they could, but they needed to work that in somehow. Like, maybe They green... did. They did. They joked about it. Oh, oh no, no. you're I saying... Mean, I mean, working it into the actual scene. I think they, I think that whatever they green screened, they, somebody should have gone in and drawn a line of a female silhouette approximating her figure into the lines of the bark yeah. that was drawn that she was, like... Because then it would have, like, been, like, a cute little wink, too. And this bitch had to, like, put on her full padding for her green screen moment. Which I love. That's so funny to me. That was delightful. <laughs> that was the best thing she did in that entire movie skit. <laughs> uh, I know her. De- I know she couldn't get the delivery right, but I also feel like the deliveries she... And it was, like, a specific reference. Yeah. But the de- some of the deliveries of the line reads were, like fine in and of themselves even if the intonation wasn't perfect that i know that she struggled and couldn't deliver like one line well and it was like barely a part but 
I feel like they they really were like, we are going to rake her across the coals and this that. And I was like, okay, calm down. It's not like she sounds literally like an automaton right yeah. now. Yeah, so that leads me to something else about this episode. I think it's time they have a meeting and update their references just to skosh. I, I think the Mommy Dearest references are fine because I think that has survived as a cultural artifact even into this current generation of 20-year-olds. Everyone knows no wire hangers. I think most people would get the window where a window ought to be lined. That kind of stuff. I know the Betty Davis reference, what a dump, but I could not have named the movie without looking it up. And I'm a pretty, pretty gay. You're pretty... very gay. Yeah, so like, and you love classic cinema. Oh yeah, and like I love, like yeah, I've seen All About Eve several times. Obviously, you are deeply homosexual, right? And even you I would know have these to references. even I would have to dig for wait, which is is what a dump All About Eve or felt like what's which one is that? And I'm like, you 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 clocked a girl for not knowing a reference to a movie that is literally seventy years old. And I I am very if these are the references, you need to start casting queens in their forties. Yeah. Like, like, call Mrs. Kasha Davis and let her get these references. And I loved yeah. her. She was a lovely queen. She was solidly middle of the pack on that season. But still, lo- like, like her serving me that reference would make me laugh very loudly in whatever She knows exactly how theater. to do yeah, it. Yeah, totally. no, I agree. I agree. It's just, there's a bunch of gay references that happened after 1980, and we need to start looping in some of them. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. I there is a part of me that feels like I would really like to see this show with a whole new production crew and host and things who were doing who were not just doing what RuPaul likes. Yeah. And it's not it's not shade to RuPaul. I just feel like it's time. Boy, we really discussed that to death. I think I'm done with the actual discussion of the movies, the acting, the rehearsals and all Absolutely. of that. Absolutely. All right, so why don't we take a break, and when we come back, we'll take it to the runway. All right, I'm going to go refill my iced coffee. That's also something that's very gay about me. Have you tried not? For those times when you feel like offering an opinion on the internet on a subject you only just learned about on Wikipedia, always remember, you could not. For those times when you feel like bombarding the mentions of an actor just trying to make a living because you're mad about something a writer, a totally different human being did, you could not. When you find yourself about to lecture a member of an historically oppressed minority about their life experience, all you have to do is just not. It's not, and it's available anytime, anywhere, and it's the perfect way not to show your entire ass to the entire internet all at once. Just remember that not every thought, opinion, or feeling you have needs to be fucking expressed the minute your fucking brain creates it, and you too can just not. Not. Because you shouldn't. And now back to the show. And we're back. The girls are getting ready in the run for the runway in the workroom, having a little conversation, and Simone is talking about her first time in drag. Olivia, what did you think? I loved that bit. I loved everything about it. Just her talking about her first time in drag, her talking about it being in high school in Arkansas, and just I started bawling like a baby when she was like all the fear that reggie had simone did not i was just i feel like that encapsulated perfectly the spirit of okay i'm i'm going to do this i am doing this i'm here and it's worth it like i loved that yeah it was so poetic it speaks so much to 
the escapism of drag, but also the like finding your real self doing it. And the, I created this powerful character that is like a manifestation of something real within me. And in finding confidence as Simone, I found confidence as Reggie. Like, yeah. um, there was so much beautiful and poetic and sort of universal about the queer experience about that whole shortly told story. Also, bitch looked stunning her first time in drag. I'm a little like, was that really your first time in drag? I mean... Yeah, I, I haven't allowed myself to feel emotionally vulnerable since that Betty, Davi- Betty Davis movie premiered, but even I have to admit it was a touching story. <laughs> Indeed. Um, all right, so with that, are we ready to take it to the runway? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so this week, uh, the special guest is Lonnie Love for A Runway I Loved. Uh, RuPaul's look this week, I liked it. I like her doing these, um, She's she's mixing up her color palette. I feel like She's doing blondes that are either so platinum they're verging on like white, whitish, um, or she's doing uh, like this orangish, almost red, multi-tonal wig. It's interesting. It's different for her, but I thought this look worked. Oh yeah, when it first walked out, I was a little so-so on it, but the more I looked at it, like it just when she was sitting there, I really loved it. I love the asymmetrical bust. There's something about the shape of the hair that's just different enough from how she normally shapes her hair that the finished look was like, oh, this is, it's not like in my top 10, but it's a very good look that's just slightly off center of what she's been serving. And I really liked it on that basis. Me too. Rue's look was fine to me. Like her hair framed her face well. I wasn't keen on the asymmetrical top of the dress, but that's just personal taste. But... You know whose who's look on the panel really did it for me? Michelle, Michelle Visage. Michelle Visage was serving it this week. I loved the shape of her hair. I loved the streaks. I loved how her makeup and her lipstick matched her hair. I loved her blazer. Just, I... Rue looked okay, and then the camera turned to Michelle, and I'm like, okay, don't turn the camera back to Rue. I just want to look at Michelle Visage. Okay. I, I just I will I've said it before I love the gray in her hair now and I think it's a great way to like keep like this kind of you know Bride of Frankenstein occasionally Elvira looks like I think it's a great place to transition her draggy looks um, that still look amazing and don't feel like she's trying too hard like it's there's just something about it that just really works for me this this the, like embracing the gray streak feels like a real growth moment. Okay, and now on to the runway itself. Uh, The theme for this runway is trains, trains for days. And uh, the first stop on this train is Denali's look, which I thought was stunning. I didn't love it. I thought it was a bodysuit with a bunch of feathers and a feathery train. And it just, I, I was kind of bored. I think it succeeds on the details, like the crimped hair and like it's not like just a train of feathers like the color and construction and like there's a thought to the whole look that if you google like a picture of a quetzal bird really does actually evoke it like i'm like totally no i agree i think it's very is it what i would do no is it very successful for what it's doing yes is it visually impactful on stage absolutely like i'm not a huge i love garments with feathers person 
But for what it is, it's very good. I liked it a lot. It does have a, a lot of visual impact. I'd agree. It was well constructed. There were a couple of looks that were like, I wasn't excited about them, but at least they were well constructed. And Denali does fall into that bucket for me. We have Olivia Lux in this beautiful lavender. What? How would you describe this, Ursula? It's like uh It's. I don't know. I think it's clearly supposed to evoke like a Mozarty musiciany thing, like with the harp. Totally. Um. So yeah, it's get it. It just looks so beautiful on her skin. It just looks so beautiful on her skin. It's like not a super complex idea. I love it. I love this soft, elegant lavender on her beautiful, luminous complexion. I just, I'm not saying this is like the best intellectually, fashion-wise. I just love it. And I feel like she's luminous in it. And it feels like understated, but wonderful on this. I loved the shape of the skirt hip section. I loved how the boots offset that. Olivia's was one of my favorites. I the proportions I was are great. Up what she yeah. was putting down. Yeah. Proportionizing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, next up is Elliot. Uh, okay, this for me is what Oblivia said about Denali's, where it feels like it's a very well constructed bodysuit. I like the pattern. It it but it does feel kind of like a bodysuit with a thing. That's a Legs Avenue deluxe Vegas girl look. Like Elliot was reminding us she's a Vegas girl. And I'll tell you right now, the Bachelorettes are going to come and give you all their fucking money in this. That's fair. But Agreed. on the Drag Race runs, runway stage, this Legs Avenue deluxe number is not wowing anybody. Yeah. It does feel like that plus a loofah. And again, I'll tell you, this would kill with some basic white women at a bachelor party in Vegas. Kill. So much money. But on this stage... Yeah. Eh. I kind of liked how the short hair worked to contrast with the train, but otherwise, yeah, yeah not a whole lot to write home about. Yeah. Um, and then we have one of my favorite looks of this series, possibly, possibly ever. Agreed. Possibly ever. Kamora Hall, letting you all know that she might not be an actress, she might not be a dancer, but she fucking belonged on this season and can make an impact that I can't even, I'm rambling, I can't even begin to describe this look or tell you why and what I loved about it so much. The hair was perfection and period perfect. I used to live in China and did collect like 1920s Shanghai glamour advertisement posters because I am a homosexual. And this just evokes everything about the glamour of that sort of period and look, but elevated and dragified in the best way, those dragon shoulders. It's a lot of look. There's just a lot happening in this dress and Kimura is wearing the dress. The dress is not wearing her. I loved the detail of it. I thought the dragon tail part, the train itself, was interesting. It was an it was a neat departure from, you know, roughly trains, gauzy trains. It was a it was it was substantial in a way that wasn't just a lot of fabric, which I thought was cool. Yes, and I think the fabric choices were impeccable in terms of like there being a little bit of contrast, but it's still all going together it having sort of a look of scales it's tailored perfectly to her body it is everything i 
I love this dress. It is fucking everything. I cannot say enough about it. It's one of those, if a a look was not going to save her from the bottom two, but if any look could, it was this one. Moving on to the clear winner, and it's not a spoiler because she was a winner the minute she stepped onto the runway in this look, Simone. Holy fucking shit. What did you both think of this look? Did you love it as much as I did? More? Did you love it more? You couldn't love it more because I love it infinitely. I thought it marked Simone as a risk taker. I didn't love it quite the way you loved it, but I saw that and I'm like... That is really interesting. I I just the idea of doing a train from a do rag did not even occur to me, and you know I I loved the seafoam green like that. That's just one of my favorite colors. Um, I don't know how well I don't know well all of the parts fell together into a coherent whole for me, but it was fascinating that. She did her train from the do-rag, and it marked her as a risk-taker. It marked her as someone who was willing to do something interesting, different, surprising, and see how it worked on the runway. I agree with Oblivia. I loved this. I love the statement that it is. I love the color choice. I love the risk-taker moment. I do feel like this is a look that would be very hard to pull off without Simone's frame and stage presence, but she pulled it off. Um, So the win here makes sense. That said, this is one of my favorite runways ever. Um, And it was not my favorite look, but I think between her performance and the statement that this was, and that she really could pull it off, like the win made sense to me. Moving on. Uh, Lala Rees was fine, but I feel it was one of those, it was, it's one of, it's like last week when we're like, the, it is technically sheer, but it's not about sheer. I feel this had a train, but it's not really about the train. It's about the material. And like when she took off the coat, I, and she threw it off, thought, um, for a moment, I thought that, uh, the coat was going to turn into a more voluminous train and then it just was off. So it's like, I just feel there wasn't enough train in this look it's a beautiful look. It's really interesting. It just was a little off brief for me. I don't feel that way at all. I feel like this is one of my favorite runways. And if you ask me to rank them, I can't other than Kimura like killed it. Um, I think that this is very effective and it's conceptual. It was completed head to toe. I think that she had a longer train coat that she then took off and she still had a train on the garment. So the whole time, she technically has a train in a way that you cannot clock her in any negative way. I think that this was a, from a queen who feels underbaked and green to be on what feels like an extremely strong season, mm-hmm. I was pleased that she did a good job. She did a good job performing it. Her, their eye makeup was good for what it was. The face mask felt very present to now. I think this was an A on a stage that had a lot of A's. Okay. Yeah, La La Ree's look really didn't do it for me. I didn't feel like the reveal added a whole lot. I thought that there was a lot there that she was trying to do with the look of the garment to sort of offset that it was all this snakeskin monolith. And I think I just kind of got lost in it or the look kind of got lost in me, but it was... 
It was one of my least favorites. Okay. Uh, moving on to Utica, I wanted to like Utica's more. I love the reference, and obviously Rue is going to pee herself over a Carol Burnett reference, but I feel like there was nothing done with it. Like, after you realize, oh, this is Carol Burnett in the Gone with the Wind parody, there's nothing else after it. And I feel like the best drag looks take that kind of reference and then do something with it. And so it's very well constructed. It's fun. I love Utica's sense of humor, and I love Carol Burnett. Uh, but it still lands at like a B plus on a stage full of A's. I agree. In things that will surprise no one, I was really digging it. I don't know the Carol Burnett reference. Unlike uh, unlike these two queens here, I am not schooled in my cinema or my pop culture or anything else. I am oblivious for a reason. You have the cultural awareness of a 1980s Soviet emigre. That's one of the things we love about you. And I still maintain that's giving me too much credit, given Soviet emigres that I've met over the years. Yes, they've got they've gotten cassettes <laughs> from America. They still have cassettes. Moving on. But <laughs> I just, I liked the, you know, it was an old school court dress with a curtain rod as shoulders. And for some reason, the, just, I was living for the curtain rod. And I am fully, fully willing to lump that into... I'm living for Utica, because, well, I'm living for Utica. But I was just, I was picking up what she was laying down, and I figured that, I, I felt that with so much fabric there, the the curtain rod and, you know, the bell-shaped skirt, it was, it was a fun shape that I was really enjoying. I loved the reference and the fabric choices, and... I wish that she played it in a way that felt a touch more leaning into Cheryl or into Carol Burnett's uh, physicality for the comedy um, of it. I thought that she didn't perform it on the runway in a way that was going to maximize the impact of it, which is why it ended up being a B plus on a stage of A's. I love the fabric. Choices. Oh, totally. I, I, I love purple. If if that's not clear from this episode. I love the fabric choices. Um, next, we have Rosé in this look that's very 80s, like tucks in the front, ruffles, prom, 80s prom just reference sort of train moment. I guarantee she had this before she oh, got absolutely. the prompt and was like, I've got a dress with the tr- train. I think that she thought that this would be more... I think this does really well for whatever she has this for in New York. I think this kills in the context she had it for previously and i think it just doesn't have the impact on stage and feels like a suit with tool tied to the back yeah, of it it was a on the drag race runway yeah. stage it was a it was the i get that you're looking at these prompts and you don't have a lot of time and you're like i already have a dress that's kind of fun with a train gotta think about how it's gonna look on this stage this is not the stage for this yeah. i loved the colors of rose's outfit but i agree that push comes to shove it was a suit with a tool train tied onto it yeah next we have got mick this is the first time i've been underwhelmed by got mick that is literally all i have to say i agree it is the first time that i've been underwhelmed by got mick as well the the leaf blower was funny i was not expecting that bit of abject silliness from got mick and i enjoyed seeing that but otherwise the outfit seemed very things like flouncy things attached to something skimpy. I liked the leaf blower more than I liked the actual outfit. Yeah, her face is beat for the gods. The dress is kind of there. 
I think one of her runway model friends gave this to her and she was like, cool. Yeah. Because they're all in a time crunch when they get this. And I think that I think that she saw everybody else getting ready and she was like, fuck. Yeah. Uh, Tina Burner's was a miss for me. Um, I get the humor. I get the joke. It's a literal train conductor. There's something about how Tina Burner shapes herself. Like, I get it. You're you're a six. You're over six feet tall and have broad shoulders. Uh, so that kind of does, that that's a lane of how you're going to shape yourself and not to over not to make the comparison to Nina West too often. Um, I feel Nina just does a better job of either shaping herself to be a big curvy girl or making a joke out of the fact that she's a linebacker in a dress that like there's I don't know there's something about this look that just reads underbaked in terms of how you want to present yourself as a drag queen. I get that it was a joke on the word train. The train still felt tacked on. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It just, it's a little drag for kids, cartoony, like candy red wig too much. Uh, I d- she did intentionally put really big shoulder pads in to kind of create a structured conductor look. And I don't think that's really reflective of her drag in general. I think that was like a choice for this look, which made sense. But it feels so children's show doing this category that it felt like this isn't a children's show. Like, this isn't a Pee Wee Herman's stage production. Also, for me, the tool on the arms that I supposed to theoretically represent smoke doesn't approximate it enough that it kind of distracts from it. That I think it actually... I think if you take that away, it's a little better. The thing is... I get the joke. I get the concept. It was well done for what it was, but I wouldn't have made that choice for this stage. Yeah. Uh, Joey's was good. I would love to hear Oblivia's take on Joey J's. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. It spoke to me in a way that these runways rarely ever speak to me. Like, runway is usually not my favorite part of RuPaul's Drag Race. I like the challenges more. I've just never been a huge fashion person But every so often there's an outfit that not just speaks to me, but screams to me. And Joey J's was that for me. It was kind of this punk look and the train was this pierced tongue. I loved that Joey J's lips matched the lips on the dress. I loved that the, you know, the punk aesthetic, the pierced tongue, it was just, it was a lot of fun. It worked as a unit it was a strange bizarre you know rolling stones album cover meets the punk era train dress oh it was weird and it was everything and it showed versatility like it i I think it was it was good that joey brought this look out at this moment uh to help start rebutting uh that she can only do certain kinds of looks I like Joey J, and I get the aesthetic wheelhouse that Joey J is is playing it in here. I was just kind of underwhelmed by it. Um, yeah, it's not great. It's good, and I feel like I had virtually no emotional response to it. And I'm like thrilled to hear Oblivia loved it because I want to like things that Joey J is doing, and I was so like meh about this. All right, moving on to Candy Muse. 
That talk about meth. That's half an outfit. <laughs> maybe that that's maybe a apparently third of an outfit. her original outfit. Something went wrong with her original yeah. outfit, and she like made do with what she could. Yeah, that is that's yeah. not even that's like a corset and a panel of fabric. And I believe she usually wears this as a corset, and then has some sort of bustier thing on the top. Yeah. So she she worked it like an odor rent. So I appreciate that. Like she tried. And she definitely has stage presence and charisma, but this was an insufficient look. <laughs> you could put Candy Muse in a potato sack and she would sell it like it owed her rent. <laughs> yeah. My honest feeling is like the fact that something went wrong with her original garment where it was like unsalvageable and this like corset with a train that she usually has something else up top that she just like had extra in her, in her uh, bag, like... But didn't even have time to like sew a bustier, so she like pulled it up. I do feel like you were in an emergency and had to walk a train challenge in an emergency and you grabbed scraps and did something. And my and I'm only grading it on that because I know that to be true. And my feeling is given the context, I'm impressed. This is one of the least impressive things on this runway, but all right, and now on to Tamisha. I liked it. I wish the train were more substantial. There's some like, I get that it's gauzy. I don't know why. I wanted just a little more, like heft to the train. It's very good. It's on a stage of A's. It's very good, and it looks great on her, and is tailored to her body. It is underwhelming compared to some of the insanely impactful garments yeah. on here. Yeah. It's absolutely middle of the pack for me, and. And this is often said on the, in this show in a disparaging way. You can tell this is a pageant queen who wins pageants and sells her own yeah. shit. So I want to be clear. It's very pageant in the best right. way. I mean this as a compliment. This is a woman who sews her own garments and wins the page over and over and over again. It's that pageant gown with a train. So I want to be clear that I'm saying that with nothing but respect. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't sure what the train added to Tamisha, but the the shade of pink was great. The garment was well made. There was certainly an attention to detail there in the creation. I liked the matching hair piece. But yeah, the theme was train, and I wasn't really feeling like the train added a lot. Makes sense. All right, so it's the bottom two. I think uh, Kimura's bottom two, without question. I go back and forth on Denali. I do. I think. I think there's an argument to make that her runway look was good enough that it saved her from a crushingly lackluster performance in the in the main challenge. But I'm tr- I'm struggling to think who I would put there instead. Like who else was to me? To me, this is one of those crimes where it's like, oh, you made the choice to take a big risk that you were deeply unqualified for. When there are lots of people in this room, particularly this year. With four-year degrees in musical theater, you're not an actress. You have tons of charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent, and stage performance, but you are not an actress. You made the choice to bite that's, up all of this. That's vi- and it's all collapsing on top yeah, of Yeah, okay, you can, you can like, convince me. That was incredibly, for me as a judge, bitch, what were you okay, thinking? Yeah. You got to walk before you yeah, run. Yeah, you, you convinced me. Okay, so they're the bottom two. The lip sync. Yeah, if they, if oh. they put anyone else in the bottom two, it like at least in my opinion, it probably would have been Lala Ri who was at least in the bottom three. But 
I agree with Condé Nasty. Denali put this upon herself. She absolutely did. Fair enough. All right. They they are lip syncing to Crystal Waters 100% pure love. And sadly, it was one of those. It was a bit of a foregone conclusion just given the dresses they started in. Yeah. Who they are as performers and the dresses they started in. I'll tell you right now, if I was Kimora Hall, I'd be taking that off. I'd be taking it off real delicately at the end of the stage, trying to bounce my head. But I'd be taking it off because otherwise, this is just like you're drowning. Yeah, it's just you're drowning. I, I actually still had to. Yeah, in, in the drowning. in the first ten seconds of the lip sync, I actually thought Kamora. Like when Kamora started small, just standing there and singing, it was like, oh, if she breaks to something really big, it's gonna look amazing. Because I, I thought Denali hit too active, too fast in the song. But after about the but she carried it the whole right. Way. But after like that, yeah. After way. that first thirty seconds, when it was clear, oh no, no, Kamora's already at as big as she's gonna get. Um, and I will say, respect for delivering the song. It, like it wasn't like a Charlie Hyde situation where it was clear you gave up. You tried. You did your best in the confines of what you had to work with, and you still delivered a performance. But Denali just ate her alive. Like yeah, Kamora. K- Kimura kept the... You could tell she was engaged, but that statuesque Kimura, which was all she could do in the dress. I agree. It would have been great had she ditched the dress and done something else. You know, taken the dress off, done anything. But I feel like the defining moment of that lip sync for me was maybe somewhere between a half and two-thirds of the way through the lip sync when... Denali was right up there against Kimura and kind of rising up against Kimura as if Kimura was just, you know, a pole, an accoutrement on the stage for Denali to do with what she will. Just, yeah, no, I she feel was like, an exces- a, like a stage prop that was just yes. stationary. Whereas for her to, like, Denali was using the stage and owning the stage and just a lot more in the spirit of early 90s club pop yeah you cannot play this song slow or subtle or understated at all i for me it was like i can't believe you're not taking this dress off yeah like the whole time i was like i can't and she wasn't even trying to like sell it then within the dress i think she was just like i'm sinking that's like i'm done and i know that she was going i honestly think because she knew Denali and the kind of dancer Denali is and Denali's stage presence. These are the two Chicago queens of the city up against each other. Hate to see it. Um, I think she was just like, I'm dead in the water already. Like, and she stopped. She, I, I don't know if you noticed this. She stopped lip syncing like the last. Oh yeah, that last I caught. She wasn't that. even bothering. Um, she wasn't even bothering. Uh, huh. I will say this though. As much as um, this was, like, kind of sad to see, like, we know how this was going to go even without the dress disparage. It was so, like, a foregone conclusion from the top that it was a little uncomfortable. I will say, watching uh, Kamora leave, she's had such a huge impact on this stage with her looks in the few episodes she's been on that I do feel like it wasn't sad the way, like, watching Vanjie leave the first time was really sad. Yeah, I was going to say, it... it, um... If they had just done an elimination the first episode, I think there's a decent chance it still might have been Kimura for being the pretty look queen who can't deliver on one of the challenge elements. 
and I would have been way more just uh, like whatever if that had happened. Like I like whatever her shortcomings on some of the vectors of the show are. You know, we've said this before: being a good drag queen and being good at drag race are two different sets of skills. She's an amazing, really gorgeous queen who you cannot take your eyes off of. And even getting those two episodes or like one and a half episodes of like focus with her made me care that she was first to go home. And I'm yeah. still eager to see what else she's going to do. I agree. She was able to recycle Bob Mackie fashion and classic silhouettes, do big old timey drag hair on her tiny little face in a way that was recycling a lot of like late 20th century things that made them feel fresh and modern, which is really hard to do. But I, I feel like she really has an eye and I'm very impressed with her. Even just, and this is not dismissive, even if you just think of her as a look queen, she really knows what she's fucking yeah. doing with looks. Yeah. Um, and also Denali gave a fucking killer performance. It wasn't like Denali won by default. Denali was really compelling to watch. Denali yeah. murdered this lip yeah. sync. Denali could have won by default if she wanted but no you're right she she rocked that she owned the stage she embodied the song and it was great yeah yeah absolutely and, you know rupaul making that dis just as soon as the song finished she was right in there and yeah there was no point in letting it stretch out denali romped yeah uh, but in the end, I, I am happy Kamora was there, and I am happy to see what else she's going to do, especially once I can go pay to see her in the city that I live in and would like to see again. Um, yeah. And speaking of other things she's done, I think we should end this episode on a high note and discuss the simply fucking incredible video that Denali and Kamora and two dozen other drag queens dropped this weekend of Denali and Kamora and those two dozen other drag queens all lip syncing to this song. In the garments that they originally wore. I was a little disappointed that Kamara did not do this hair again. But, in these looks. Yeah. And it was so, like, like the list goes on. It was it was, it was Denali, Kamara, Lucy Stuhl, uh, Dita Ritz was in there, the Vixen. Um, Detox, the beloved Layla McQueen, who is, Kimchi has described as, the best living drag makeup artist, and lives in Chicago now. Yeah, and we're happy to have it, her. It was just, it was just a great. It was so cool. Like when I first saw clips of it, I thought it was just going to be Denali and Kamora standing for Chicago, which would have been totally fine. But the idea of using the platform of Drag Race to elevate all of these other queens who aren't on Drag Race felt so awesome. It was like, yeah, yeah. I think I, I think I saw at least two of Shea Coulee's drag yeah. daughters in I think, there. Bambi Bakes Coulee was in there. I think there were maybe three there or were, four. Yeah, there were three that I remember. I just watched the video earlier today, and I remember seeing the name Coulee three times. Yeah. and there you go. It was, it was delightful. I was watching it, and while I was watching it, my thought was, "Wow, this is fun. It would be even more fun if I." knew who all of these queens were but also it makes me want to go out and see drag shows once there's not a plague and it's safe to do so i also enjoy that in the spirit of sisterhood these two created a viral moment together they're like chicago city queens who work together a lot on a, on a ton of stuff and who like knew that this moment would come and produce this thing together to sort of iconicize yeah. 
themselves together. There's something very fun about that. For yeah, me. this season's been pretty big on sisterhood. Like, they're shady and they're fun, but and maybe it's an artifact of them knowing that every moment is filmed and being a real, being an actual bitch will damage your career. But they all seem to like get along and like each other, and that is actually more fun for me to watch. So, I like, agree. yeah, this moment of queens supporting other queens was just like, ah, and take that, New York. We're a good drag city. Shut up. Like, <laughs> they, every everybody knows that. That's not. I know. I know. Like, I'm not even defensive with it. Like, <laughs> I do think that the underwhelming New York queens need to like not oversell themselves. Yeah. But all right. So, uh, anything else? I think that's it. All right. I think that's it for me. What about you, Olivia? I think that's it. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for coming. You are always a delight. Thank you, Hersula, for always being the best co-host. Aww. A queen could hope for. Um, uh, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps us out. I mean it. If you listen to this regularly, I implore you. I beg you. I will contact me on Instagram. I'll send you news. Whatever you want. Like, please rate, review, subscribe. We want to go up in the ranking so we appear higher in the search. I implore you. And with that charming desperation. I've been Conde Nasty. I'm Hersula the Sea Bitch. Bye! Bye.